You are now, now listening now. to Renaissance, Renaissance Soul. 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 Hey everybody, welcome to the Renaissance Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. And for this episode, I am joined by singer, songwriter, musician, actress, and Detroit rock pioneer and legend, Susie Quattro, to talk about her new album, The Devil and Me, released on March 26, 2021, via Steamhammer SPV. Now at the age of 70, with 74 years in the music game, Susie Cuacho helped kick down the doors for women who wanted to rock. The Devil in Me is the second time she's collaborated with her son, Richard Tucky, after 2019's No Control, a decision made after both of their touring schedules were canceled due to the pandemic. As you'll hear, Susie Cuacho has such a poetic mind as we talk about her longevity in music and how her career has always been a family affair since her early years with the bands The Pleasure Seekers and Cradle with her sisters. We talk about how the pandemic gave life to The Devil and Me, how working with her son was different on this album, as well as going track by track through the album, its videos, and the album artwork. It was an honor to have such a legend on the show who is still going strong after decades of making music. Listen closely because she drops a lot of gems of knowledge throughout this episode. So, after a quick word from our sponsor, we'll get into this uh, episode with the legend Susie Quadcho talking about her new album, The Devil and Me. Alright, welcome back to the Renaissance Soul Podcast. And I have a guest today that doesn't even need an introduction. 57 years in the game. She started when she was 14 years old. A pioneer, a legend of Detroit rock that goes worldwide. She taught everybody that women too can rock out with their cocks out. I am joined today by Susie Quattro. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you very much. I like that intro. <laughs> Had I only known what I was doing, you know, I, I never lie about it. I, I was just being who I was, having no idea that I was going to break so many doors down. But there, there you go. It needed to be that way. Somebody without an agenda, just doing what they do. You know, that's how it works. Yeah. And that's 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 what I saw with like quotes about the, you know, the Cradle album and you know, the Pleasure Seekers, you know, the early bands you know with your sisters you know it's always been a family affair with you yeah and, even like, starting with my father I, I used to play with my dad when i was like seven he'd let me go out on, in the bongo drums and play in front of his trio and then i played with my sisters and then i came to england when i went solo and i married my guitar player who's richard's father who i made my last two albums with so yeah family i've always worked with family no no, no confusion there <laughs> No confusion. So today, what we're going to do is talk about your latest album in a slew of albums that you've had throughout your career. And we're, you know, we're talking about the, the newest album, The Devil and Me. And it's, it's, it it's, <laughs> that, it's amazing that after all these years, you're still making music, you're still very vibrant about it, you know, 
the and like you just mentioned you you worked on this album and the previous album with your with your son and and that last album was just in you know 2019 and then um when the quarantine hit you know when the pandemic hit and everything like you know you just like hey that's that's make an album well it, it all happened to be honest it all happened at the same time um that no control had been seen wonderfully around the world our first outing together so we didn't know what we were doing first time working together no blueprint and uh i had a crazy crazy busy year 2019 um i toured non-stop my solo shows my two-hour with interval solo shows all over the world my documentary got released suzy q at the end of uh 219 worldwide success top of the amazon charts for a long time 2020 was supposed to be even bigger suzy hit 70 da 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 my son was booked on the road with his group all year i had 85 shows in the book the company had taken up the option for album number two and before the lockdown we sat and talked about it my son and i i said when are we going to do this he said i don't know mom i'm on the road i said so am i what are we going to do? I don't know. So we kind of left it there. He worked a little bit at home. I worked a little bit, put a few ideas together, but none of it that made it on the album. Then, then the lockdown came and I had built a studio just before lockdown. How lucky is that? Uh, just a small one. Yeah, I know. Uh, Kismet. And um, I said to Richard, okay, you're not on the road. I'm not on the road. Tell you what we'll do. Let's now write the album because now we have the time. So we have the time. And we sat down and concentrated on this album. And it's just so wonderful, so creative. And everybody's loving it just like you are. So I, I don't know if it would have been different without the pandemic. I really don't know. Obviously, there's um, an atmosphere, you know, with when you're a songwriter, you feel things. So you're always picking stuff out. But it, for me, it's been an extremely creative time. Not a deep, Some parts have been depressing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But very, very, very creative at the same time. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Like you, at seventy years old, you're still doing this at a at a high level. Like you have a documentary that got a lot of love. You got these albums that are still getting love. Like you were, you know, you had like nearly a hundred shows that got canceled because of the pandemic. That's like that's a flex, all in itself. That after all these years. Like you would have that many shows to get canceled because of the pandemic, you know, what, what is it about, how, how do you, why do you feel like, you know, your story is so great and where, you know, where do you think this longevity comes from and why you have so much, you still have this fan base that is behind you? Um, I think I've lasted so long because I'm not manufactured. That's the only way I can see it. I'm real. What you see is what you get, you know? You don't have to love me, you can hate me if you like, but at least what you're seeing is the real person. And that's what stood the test of time. Nobody ever told me how to play, nobody ever told me how to stand, nobody ever told me how to sing. I was just a square peg in a round hole my whole life. My whole life since a child. So I had to find some place where I fit. And by finding that place, I created this new thing without knowing I was doing it. All I was doing was staying true to myself. And I'm still the same now because I'm still uncompromising. You know, I won't change who I am or what I am for anybody. And why should I? I don't need to. Why should I? You know, all you have, I say it all the time, all you have in this life 
is that little special spark that makes you you. So I'm not giving that up for anybody. And I'm 70 now, and I've still got as much to say now as I did when I was 14. I've still got the fire in my belly. I've still got the drive. I'm still, I'm still, ex I wish I could say I've matured. I haven't. <laughs> I tried to just see if I could say that. Then I went, can I say that? No, no, I haven't. And it makes total sense. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, the, 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 the social way of being mature isn't necessarily what maturity is. You know, you got to find it within yourself. Well, what I found in myself was that I was, well, I accepted that I, I am an artist. I'm an artiste because I do everything, you know, acting and books. And I, I'm an artist. I'm a communicator. And I, I've been told many times through my life, oh, you shouldn't be so thin-skinned. And that shouldn't bother you, and that shouldn't bother you. Well, well, if I wasn't that way, I would not be the artist I am, to tell you the truth. Not so I'd rather, I'd rather be hurt by things and be able to then write about it. Right. Yeah, sure. Even being about thin skin, it's about like just not taking people's bullshit, you know? I never take people's bullshit. Yeah. That, that's one thing that you, you get about me as soon as you talk to me. I'm straightforward. What you see is what you get. Here I am. Nothing's going to change. Right. I was just looking at the inside of, uh, you know, here's the, the Cradle album. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah. And there's like, there's these quotes that are like, you know, really big in here. That was like, um, I'm not sure if you or your sister said it or anything, but it said, you know, we're very open to social shit going on, our sexuality, all it. All of it is young, you know, all of it is young women playing in a man's world. And then this other one's, we were always going against the grain of what was accepted by society. And okay, like, well, I have to qualify that because um, I, I didn't ever care then or now if it was all girls. I just wanted to play. So that was more my elder sister's big thing to have an all-girl band. And I never have done since a child. My mother used to tell me this all the time. Bless her, she's not with me anymore. Um, and she was the inspiration behind the title track, The Devil in Me. Um, as always a tomboy, I didn't do gender my whole life as such, and I don't really do it now. I'm more of a meist than anything else, you know? So I never felt like, and you know, that so I don't agree with those quotes. I never felt like I was fighting against any grain. In fact, I never had any problems, even when I went solo and had the guys, and I was with guys all the time, nothing but guys. My attitude was, and it still is, hi, I'm Susie, I play bass, I sing rock and roll. Do you have a problem with that? And because I presented myself that way, I didn't get any, any bullshit back. I was always respected. So it comes from you, you know, and I, I never went up there as... I'm a girl, look what I can do. That was never me. I was just up there playing. For instance, we were at, uh, this is the Pleasure Seekers now, back in 68 or something. And we were playing at Arthur's. Do you remember Arthur's, downtown Detroit? I've heard of it, yeah. Okay. And uh, it was close to midnight, and in comes, this illustrates my character. In comes David Ruffin and Ted Nugent to see the band. So, of course, Let's jam, you know, let's jam. So I said, I'm up for it. And three of the girls left the stage. 
the drummer stayed and I stayed, okay? Then Ted stayed. And David came up. And we jammed. I'd never jammed in my life. Never. Right. But there was no way I was going to miss it. Anyway, we're coming off the stage, and Ted Nugent says to me, where did you learn to play like that? And I said, I didn't know I could. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is me. You give me a challenge, and I'll take it. Don't tell me what I can't do, because then I'll do it. That's the character in me. Okay, so the pandemic hits. You know, this definitely changes, uh, you know, your plans for touring. So now you have all this time. Your, your son has all this time, too. He's not going to be on the road. You know, what was sort of, like, the first things after, like, that, those initial, uh, you know, talks that you had with your son about uh, doing this album? You know, what was some of the first things that you guys, you know, just did? Well, we just started to write, really. Um, whatever came out, came out. Obviously, there was a a down period at the beginning. I mean, he had a lot of gigs in, you know, and he depends on that for his living. I don't depend on it for my living. I'm comfortable till the day I die. I'm fine. I do it because I love it. Different motivation. He loves it too, but that's how he made his living. And that's how I used to make my living. So a little bit of up and down and up and down, but basically we just, we just put our heads down. He worked in the studio with the machines and I worked on the patio because I'm old school, you know, I'm not a digital girl, so I would work with my acoustic bass, my acoustic guitar, and my songbook, and my iPad that I could record my ideas. That's how I work. He would work with tracks in there. And then when we're ready, Mom, what you got? Richard, what you got? We'd come in and we'd get it together. And this lasted a long time. Um, he had a couple of hit. I had some hit the walls day. He had some hit the wall days. I don't think I know anybody who hasn't hit the wall during this last year. Right, right. And if you haven't, then you haven't got a heart because everybody's done it. Even optimistic like I am, I'm up, 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 up. I have hit the wall. I have. And I don't mind saying so, you know. Um, but apart from that, it's been such a magical, creative time. I've been able to pull things out of the depths of my soul, you know, which is great. You know, What's it like working with your son? You know, how how were you able to, you know, just as, you know, from the early, you know, from his childhood to now has been, you know, what happened to where you guys can be on a professional level and make music together? Where does that magic come from? Um, I had no idea that he was as talented as what he is because he never showed me that. He kind of kept it hidden. I think until he was ready, until he was ready, yeah, until he was ready. And yeah. about two years before No Control, he said he wanted to write with me. And I said, show me a few things. And I remember saying to him, I hear something, but you're not quite ready. So then he came to me before No Control again, and he said, Mom, I need to write with you now. And I went, right attitude. So we started to write, and we did three demos. Played me what he had, and I said, yeah, I can I can work with that. That's good. So we started to write. And three demos in, we knew we were making a serious album. We knew it. And at that point, I then said, okay, the ground rules are this is organic. We've never worked together before. I don't want any rules or limitations. Whatever comes, comes. Don't care what kind of song it is. And that's what happened. So it was a fun, anything goes album. This one... 
Richard got his confidence because he had a lot of compliments and he very much cares about what I do since a little boy spent his lifetime watching me. So he knows who Susie Quattro is and he's unshakable in his viewpoint. This is who Susie Quattro is. Doesn't matter what I think. It's what he thinks. So when we did this album, he said, I wanted this to be, um, as groundbreaking as the first album and the vibe has to be right. It has to be a through line. And he put his heels in, he got quite belligerent about it, uh, which is good. And we started to write and he, he brought his 36 years generation to the table. Uh, he brought his, that energy level, whatever that is, that different way they write nowadays, you know, different approaches. Every generation has a different approach. Yeah, sure. Uh, what, um, you know, what, what sort of lessons did you teach him, but what did you learn from him? Well, I say it all the time now, and I didn't know this till I started talking about it. Uh, he has spent a lifetime since as far back as his memory goes, watching his mom on stage, being Susie Quattro. So that's in his DNA. Whatever that is, whatever he saw, not what I am, what he saw, that's who I am to him. So he brought that to the table on this album, especially. And he kept saying, I know what kind of music you should make. I know what this album should sound like. And he's really certain about it, really belligerent. And I brought in my 57 years in the business and my 70 years of age and my life experience. And what I realized was that, you know, there's an old saying that you teach your kids until they teach you. And he somehow has managed to give me rebirth in myself because I'm seeing me through his eyes. And it's like, it's happening for the first time out over again. And it's, it's really quite magical. You know, I didn't know this is going to happen, but now that I'm looking at it, I go, wow, wow, wow. Like I'll do something, you'll have a reaction. It's like, it's the first time all over again, but done in today's world. So it doesn't sound retro whatsoever. It's it's the best of Susie Quattro done in today's in today's style and method. So yeah, just great. It really works. Where did you guys end up uh, actually doing the final recording of the album at? We did the real good demos here, enough so that I play enough instruments and so does Richard that we could put most everything on the basics of everything on, and then you uh, send it to the musicians. And they learn by what you've put on that. The demo is your blueprint. You actually played to the demo live in the studio. Um, and then we went to Rack Records, Rack, Rack Studios in London and did the bass and drums over two days together. And then the keys. Then we had horn section in there on another day. And then we found a studio near us with a live room that we could distance. And we did the uh, backing vocals and the lead vocals. And Richard did the guitar parts here in the home studio. That took about four or five months. Then we sent it to another guy who mixed it. And then he sent it to Apple Studios and the guy mastered it. So the whole process took from March till October. Um, did you bring anybody else in to produce it? No, I did it with my son and with Noah, who also produced. So we did it like a team. Same as No Control. We did it like a team. What I want to do next is actually like just go into the album and if we can talk about, you know, the songs on the album, any thoughts, feelings or anything, you know? 
All right. The first uh, song on the album is the title track, The Devil and Me. You know, what's uh, you know, what's that about? Any, you know, memory, any, you know, thoughts about making that record? Um, th- this you picked a strange story. So about a year and a half ago, we were talking on the phone, my son and I, about something or other. And I said, oh, God, will the angels guard the devil in me? Just And I do tend to talk poetically all the time. I don't know why, but I do. I, I have no idea. Um, it just happens. I'm always writing stuff down that I've said, you know. Uh, it comes from somewhere. And Richard said, what a great, what a great title. Yeah, 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 it's dictation. And he said, what a great title. So I wrote it down. And as we started to work on the album, because I'd actually made a folder, The Devil in Me, the title of the next album. And I wrote lyrics. I had an idea for her lyrics, all based on what my mother said. My mother used to tell me, you were the sweetest and the shyest of my five children. And you were also the one with the mischief in your eyes. And she also <laughs> said, she also said, you were an angel until your halo slipped and it became a noose. <laughs> so all of my, I wrote these lyrics and we're working on the album and I couldn't find, couldn't find a song. I would play on the piano, look at the lyrics, play on the bass, look at the lyrics. Couldn't find it. So I went, okay, this is not happening right now. Even though the album might be called, this this isn't happening. And I put the lyrics away in my lyric book. It's just how it happened. Last track of the album. Number 12. Richard said, Mom, I have this idea. I'll see what you think. Play me this riff. I said, I like that. Send it to my computer. Send it to my computer. I got my acoustic bass guitar. Came in here like I am now. And my lyric book. And I'm playing, flicking through trying to hear a melody playing, trying to find either a title or a line that would jump out as being what it should be. And the lyrics for The Devil and Me fell out of my songbook and landed on the keyboard of the computer. And I just went, okay. <laughs> so it's just how it happened. I know a lot of people say it was just coincidence, whatever, but it was a strange one. So I saw those sitting there and I went, and I started to sing it. Boom, boom, boom. It was a song. It was perfect. It was meant to be exactly as it happened. Everything about your life is just poetic. <laughs> <laughs> um, the next song is, uh, I really like this one, is Hey Queenie. That's one of my best bass lines. Done. I'm going to pat myself on the back. Um, it, it was, I wanted to do a walking bass part against and not normal chord sequence. And if you hear it, you'll hear that. I took me ages to work on I knew what I was trying to accomplish. So the normal kind of bass player is walking bass on, but against a not normal chord sequence. Anyway, that's, that's really good. That's a little nod to uh, Glycerine Queen from the first album. And it, that was a true story about a transvestite that came into our dressing room and my ex-husband, Richard's dad, poured glycerine in his beer and he drank it. So we called him the Glycerine Queen. And my son wanted to readdress that same transvestite, but older. And that's what that song, a little bit tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> uh, the next song is Betty Who? <laughs> okay. This is another riff my son had. And he's on the tour most of the time with uh, Biba Doobie. And she had a tour bus called Betty Who? And my son said, do you like that title? I said, I do like that title. But I took it away and I made it into a groupie. 
called Fetty Who. <laughs> <laughs> so Cherie Curry from The Runaway, she did the vocal with me on the second verse. She sang the second verse and uh, turned into quite a cool song, a little bit tongue-in-cheek, you know. So uh, it is about a groupie, and uh, every band can probably relate to that, every male band, I should say. How important it is to, like, keep that humor in your music, do that tongue-in-cheek stuff? Whatever the song calls for, I would do it. I always like every song to have a truth about it. Remember, even if I'm writing a lighthearted subject, I want it. I have to find a way in. I just have to find a way in so I can put it through my body and come out, you know? So, so I've been on the road my whole life. I've seen many groupies. I know what groupies look like. I know who they are. So I could write Betty Who. And it's, it's nothing, you know, insulting. It's just saying Betty Who. You know, there's been a lot of them. Um, what's it? You Can't Dream It. Oh, wow. That's You Can't Dream It is the... Strangely enough, yeah, the melody I couldn't get rid of. You know, whenever you're recording and then you go to bed at night, something sticks here and it won't go out of your head. And it's that melody, and I don't know why that is. I was telling you, I couldn't get rid of it. And that was that was a little bit pandemic-y, that, you know, a little bit smoke and mirrors. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of that happening. Yes. Oh, the next song is My Heart and Soul. It is My Heart and Soul. Um, I was sitting on the patio working and my son was in the studio. And I was working on something different and he, he was playing a track that he was playing on. He had put down a bass, a drum part, and a guitar part. It's just a track. And it came, he left the door open, it came out. And I just, I just, I got mad for an instant because I thought, why don't you close the door and let me work on what I'm working? And then I went, really? Like somebody put an arrow in my heart. It hit me that hard. It just made me pause. And I thought to myself, okay, whatever whatever this is, don't think. Don't. You ruin it. So I didn't think. Didn't think. Just let it hit me. I walked out to the studio and I said, what is that? And he said, I just saw my mess in her eyes. Put it on. Give me the headphones. Turn the microphone on. And I sang the first four lines of the song in a voice I'd never used before. So it was creation magic. It's as if somebody said to me, as I was walking in the studio, here's the lyrics and here's the melody. So that that's why it's so special. It's actually a magical song. Yeah. Straight you just start heart. singing it from the heart. You know, it didn't no, write anything. Totally. I had no idea what I was going to sing or say. I just let it come out, you know? Yeah. Oh, the next one is Get Out of Jail. He had that riff in that title, and he came in. I thought he was a little bit nutty. He said, oh, Mom, Mom, just remember, just remember, let's just say, you know, you're in jail, and, and, and you need to get out to do one more gig. And I'm going, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're in the middle of the pandemic, and I said, it's okay, I got a handle on this lyric and this melody, now, not a problem. <laughs> it became, became a reality. This nutty idea became a total reality, and I could write it along those lines, and then we came up with that nice uh, chant idea. In the beginning, you know, so you got the chain gang, you know. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good song. It's got to be a lot of fire in it. That one. Oh, the next one's uh, "Do You Dance." That's going to be the next single. Um. Yeah, my son gave that to me. Uh, he had the track done, and that one I had to find my way in. I kept listening to it, listening to it. And I kept saying, have you done it? I said, no, listening to it. And then finally I found the melody and what the lyrics should be. And it had to be a little bit cheeky, a little bit rude, you know? 
it's you know it's a comment on life hey you're saying hey do you dance you know it's like a little smart ass in a way so i finally found the way and once i found the way and it just came flying out so that was good good track uh, the nice the next one is uh isolation blues and i think a lot of us can uh relate to that and a lot of people are picking it out so many journalists and radio people not because it's a single but because i guess the lyrics seem to have captured everybody they've they, without them being manufactured or sounding like you're doing a COVID song, they, they're really how I felt. I remember sitting in my little my little bubble out on the patio going, okay, isolation, but how do I feel? And I went right down into the depths of my depression of, of this pandemic, and all the lines came up, but it came out with strength. Yeah. You know, I'm G&G and getting so high. I mean, that's a great line. Alcoholic lullaby, you know. So it was like it, I was singing about the isolation, but still punching it in the teeth. Right. And a lot of those feelings aren't necessarily just during this pandemic. We have those feelings, you know, before then, but we sure. just don't. Feel. Sure. Sure. Yeah. sure. It, it was just real easy to write those lyrics in this situation. But this can be any time of your life, just when you're down and lost, you know, and we all go through that. I mean, my God. The the next song is, and I, I think this might be my favorite on the album, is I Sold My Soul Today. And that's the single right now. You must watch the video. Have you watched it yet? No, I haven't. Oh, you got to go on YouTube. You can watch My Heart and Soul, The Devil and Me, and I Sold My Soul. And I Sold My Soul is a very strange video. Um, it's the only time I've ever gone on the social media and explained the meaning behind a song because everybody was saying, wow, what, what is it? Where did this come from? Nobody could quite understand it which is fine. So it's about a, um, a woman who is very strict moral code and kind of square, but a good lady. She falls in love with a guy who doesn't respect her moral code and then even tries to introduce a third person into the mix of the relationship. She doesn't go for it, but she sells her soul because she stays. So it's quite a deep song, yeah. It is a good one. So that's the single that's out now. And every time a radio guy plays it, he's doing this on the Zoom. <laughs> and that, that's one of the ones that nearly broke my arm playing because I don't use a pick. And that's da, 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 That's not easy to do without a pick, that metallic sound, you know? And since you already mentioned it, um, when it came to the videos for this album, what were you trying to do? What, what, how did you want the visuals to, you know, complement the music? Oh, completely. I wanted them to exactly say what each thing was about. I mean... My heart and soul, um, my son had the idea to take all the old footage of the kids at Christmas, you know, So and then um, balance that with me at the white piano that's been there since we've lived in this house, in a white jacket playing the piano in a bare room. So I keep saying, I need you home for Christmas. You see the Christmas with the kids, and then you see the bare room. Very, very effective. If you watch that, you will get it. It's a little bit tear jerky. Powerful. And the devil and me, we, we filmed in the garage. That was the live shoot. You know, each person went in and did their own, their own part. And uh, it, it very much, I thought the director did a terrific job on that because he captured the song and he also captured me. That's what I wanted. And the devil and me is mischievous. It's not evil. It's mischievous. You know, mischievous. And I sold my soul, but you got to watch it. It's a real, it's almost an unsettling video, but it's a good one. You mentioned something there with, uh, you know, that second video, and this is something that you mentioned about uh, working with your son. 
you know, how does it feel when somebody is successfully captures you? Like when, when you see someone else's, sure. you are. 100%. Um, and that's what happened with this relationship. You know, the fact that he is unswervingly in his DNA, who I am. Just this is, I've been writing stuff here before. And since we've been working together, and he's come into the front room and said, that's not organic to you, ma'am. <laughs> How's that for organic? <laughs> That's the most organic it can be. Absolutely. No words necessary. <laughs> organic than a punch in the face. There you go. Let's talk organic. No, it's good. It's good when that happens. Even the young director of the videos, he, I think, I think he did a little OD on me before he shot me because he must have, well, he watched the documentary three or four times. And then I think he researched old videos because he caught that. He called that mischievous, fun, but go for it attitude. He got that good, you know. So, yeah, it's good. Then the next track is Love's Gone Bad. One of my favorites. Um, it captured a vibe. that This is a true vibe. Uh, Richard was, again, playing the track. And I came running out. I said, oh, I like this. I have an immediate idea for it. And he said, this isn't for you. I said, what are you talking about? He said, I'm going to give this to the publishing and maybe they can get a rap artist to do it. I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. In fact, if you put on the microphone, I'll show you what I'm hearing. And he went, okay, it's your song. <laughs> and I, I, and and he said to me, we were doing the vocal, channel your Billie Holiday. So that's what I did. I channeled Billie Holiday. And he said to me, he had a friend who was coming to, well, in the relationship and was crying about the relationship every day to him. And he said, I, I couldn't do anything for him. I couldn't help him. So that's where the, and so I liked that idea against the track that he showed me. And that's where my idea came from. You know, love's gone bad. Ain't nothing I can do. You know, it's funny that like, when he made that, he was like, I'm just going to give this to the publishing. Maybe a rap artist can do it. And then it ends up being something for your album. Like there's times in like, in life and like in the in the whole industry of music where everybody was kind of like in their own lane you know you're a rock artist you're an r&b artist blah blah blah. sometimes I, I will not be boxed in and it's crazy that this is like yeah that's like something that i really get from you is like you don't want to be boxed in you no, know no. i've said it my whole life and I, I've, I say it still do not put limitations on me. Sure, I'm, I'm basically a rock and roll artist. Of course I am. That's I live and breathe rock and roll. But don't tell me I can't do this or I can't do that. Don't. You know, these some of these tracks I've done, I think the vocals are terrific and there's stuff I never sang like that before. So if I can do it, why shouldn't I? I did what the song called for without trying to make it Susie Quattro. And the ones that were Susie Quattro, I didn't even have to think about. <laughs> How do you feel like kind of doing those songs in a new way that you like sing them in, like you sing them in a, you know, totally different way. How did it feel like once you like saw the, like heard the finished product? Oh, fantastic. I mean, I, I, I've found myself in the position, which everybody, a lot of people have said to me during these interviews that my voice is stronger than ever. And I, I don't know how that happened. To tell you the truth. Um, as you get older, the natural way is your voice goes down. Mine seems to have gone up and I touch wood. I don't want to jinx it. Um, I'm now happy to show 
I'm comfortable enough in who I am and what I am with nothing left to prove. I'm happy to show all the sides of me. I've always had a good, valid voice. I've always had a good, soulful voice. I've always had these avenues. And so now I'm able to do it. And why shouldn't I? If you can't do it at 70, next year might be too late, you know? <laughs> uh, the next track is In the Dark. A lot of people's favorite, this one, with the sax and the piano. And the, this is called a mood. This is, again, pandemic-influenced. Um, the great thing about this one is when we went to go put the uh, horns down, the horn sections went home and left my sax player, who's been with me a long time. And he said, because um, we, we had earmarked two or three for him to play on his own without the, without the section. And he said, okay, he said, I have played this at home and listened to it. And, but what I wanted to do was not make any notes for me to follow and just do it. Can I do that? And we said, yes. So what you're getting is a very natural as if you've gone to jam on stage and the sax player is listening. It's the first time he's heard you sing and he's playing what he feels. That's what makes this track so magical. It captured that. Yeah, real naturalness. And you can't beat that when that happens, you know? Magic, magic, magic. Yo, next next song is the Motor City Riders. I know this is a Detroit thing. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> this is the this is the ending track on the album. Um, I was playing a riff and I had the opening lines. And I went out and showed Richard because I'm a crap guitar player. I never went from guitar to bass. So that's why I'm not a great guitar player. Not a failed, but I'm not a failed guitar player, I'm a bass player. Anyway, I took it out to him and he picked up the guitar and started playing it that way. And I said, that's, yes. And then the whole song took shape. And I think it was him that said, why not do it about Detroit? And I said, oh, what a good idea, Motor City. And he said, Motor City Riders. I said, great. Came inside and I sat in the front room and I worked nonstop on the lyrics. Not that they were hard, but because I wanted every single word to count on the story of how I grew up in Detroit and what it was like in those years in Detroit. So every word had to be exactly correct. And it is, it's my, it's my love back to Detroit. Thank you for raising me, you know? How do you, you know, how do you feel like Detroit molded you as a person? Uh, everything, everything. Um, it gives you a awareness of the opposites of everything, the black, the white, the rich, the poor, all the different nationalities that lived all through, you know, each Hamtramck and this, and all the Greek town, you know what I mean? All this, all we all existed all together. The music, the people, everything. Uh, it gave you an edge, and you can never get rid of that edge. Detroit, all Detroit artists have an edge. It gave you an electrical current that you carry with you for the rest of your life. It gave you a foot-on-the-gas attitude. Yeah, it's it's kind of a desperate energy, Detroit. <laughs> that's yeah, that's, and I that's captured that in that song. That's, that's good. That's a good way of uh, describing it. It's it's desperate en energy, a slum beautiful. It's stuff like that, you know. Let's talk about the um the album artwork. You know, when it comes to uh, you know everything that in the packaging. You know, what did you want to uh, you know really convey with that? Um, we had a few ideas for the cover. My son was very against putting a picture on the cover this time. I don't know why. And I, I had a few different people. I tried different art things and this, that. Nothing really quite made it. 
had a friend of mine, Romero Brito, who's a very known artist. He did a, a cover, which was terrific. But then again, we thought, is that really an album cover? Is that a single cover? So we used that cover for The Devil and Me single. And it's terrific. And then, and then the company said, do you mind if we play around with this and see what we come up with? I said, no, no, what, what do you got to lose? And they came <laughs> up with this, which is perfect. That's my logo for many, many years. Perfect. So we settled with that. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> Once you once you had this album done, it was you know completed, mixed, mastered. You know what was your thoughts and feelings about it? I thought it was my best work so far because of the perfect storm that we created. I was happy how I'd been pushed. I was happy how I'd been challenged. I was happy that I stuck to my guns every step of the way. This is what I'm doing. Very proud. I'm happy for me, and I'm even happier for my son. Because when I'm gone, he's still going to carry this legacy on. That's great. That's, I think that's a good way of... Uh, me too. <laughs> ...talking out this. Everything's poetic with you, and I love it. I love it. Thank you very much. <laughs> I love it. Where can people go online to get more information about you and about uh, you know listening to the new album? Uh, I'm on suzyquattro.com. I'm on facebook.com slash rocks. I'm on Twitter.com slash Suzy Quattro, Instagram.com Suzy Quattro Real, um, Facebook, official Facebook, and I have a private Facebook, and my official website is www.suzyquattro.com. I'm everywhere. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Soul Podcast, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, empowered by Anchor at anchor.fm slash renaissance soul. Renaissance Soul theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com, and that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com. Renaissance Soul is available on all streaming platforms. Please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Renaissance Soul, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash fresh the word. Follow Renaissance Soul on social media on Instagram at Podcast and on Twitter at Pod. And join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fresh the word. And for more information on Renaissance Soul, visit freshthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night. Renaissance. 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 Renaissance.